0: The aim of Black Mental Matters is to tell experiences with honesty. Therefore, some discussions may trigger an adverse reaction. If a discussion is beginning to upset you, we advise that you please stop listening and talk to your support team.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. This is episode number 40 for Black Mental Matters. What a milestone it is. I'm Vince The Voice and thank you so much. We're getting more and more listeners and we really appreciate it once again. Shout out to McKeeba Reed Johnson. She'll be back with us soon. But on this program, I know that uh, we've been just inundated with so much at one time. We got the pandemic. We've been in the house for three months. We've had these shootings over and over again and we keep seeing them on our timelines over and over and over again. I hope your mental state is okay, and I think that today's program will give us some hope. Sometimes you're blessed like I am to have wonderful family members who can help you navigate through some things. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I I know you're going to enjoy this program. So let's get it started. Black Mental Matters starts right now. It's Black Mental Matters, and I'm telling you, I have the honor right now of introducing to you, first of all, over 30 years in law enforcement, uh, a great man who did a great many things, but the most important thing is he is my favorite aunt, favorite son, and my favorite cousin, big brother, is none other than <laughs> Leonard Stallworth. Hey, lid how you doing, man? <laughs> No applause, please. No applause. Well, introduction. Listen, (laughs) listen. I got got it. I got the music. And listen, listen (laughs) there. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, because it is such a pleasure, man. And I couldn't think of anyone more qualified uh, to talk, have this discussion with, man, as we go through. So uh, briefly, uh, Lynn, tell them, I mean, your credentials are impeccable in law enforcement. Go ahead and, and, and tell our audience, you know, what's your experience?
0: Well, 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 first, thanks for uh, inviting me on, Vince. Honestly, it's an honor, you know, so uh, to be able to share with your, uh, with your audience, it, it's just awesome. But you're talking to a young man who grew up on the South Side of Chicago, mm. um, born and raised there. Lost my dad uh, at an early age. My I was 11 and a half when my dad mm. uh, passed of uh, cancer, mm. and uh, you know that could have left me in a bad position you know, growing up on the South side, you know, I could have, I would have been fodder for any gang or anything else, but I had a strong mom that brought me up. Little did I know I was going to end up being the police. Yeah. Uh, uh, first, when I went to college, majoring in architectural design and changed my major, and here I am in law enforcement. But was blessed to be able to start my career at uh, working for the Cook County Sheriff's Department, did uh, a few years there and decided I needed to move on and joined the Illinois State Police. Worked in the city of Chicago interstate areas, uh, Dan Wright Expressway I-57, but promoted to sergeant, master sergeant, lieutenant. Then I became the captain of the district that encompasses all the Chicago land area, then became uh, a region commander, uh, which was like the command over the north east quadrant of the state and then I ended up as a uh, lieutenant colonel which is actually a assistant deputy director of a special operations so it was truly a blessing I got to work with some awesome people and meet some awesome people so truly a blessing like I said
1: yeah man and, and, and thank you for your service and I, I will never forget being so proud when something would happen on the highway and all of a sudden you would jump on you were the spokesperson I was like that's my cousin man <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah yes yes so <laughs> so so here we are here in 20 uh, 20- Twenty and all kinds of things are going on around law enforcement and and police and like you said you you know grew up on the south side of Chicago uh, and, and as a young man so I mean the uniqueness for you to be able to kind of see these things from quote unquote both sides huh
0: yes yes and and I and I saw I was actually afraid of the police when I was growing up when I first got my first license I didn't need for the blue lights to come on. I just needed for a police car to be traveling behind me. And, you know, it would frighten me. I don't know why. I'd never been mistreated by the police, but I just had this fear. I don't know if there's a, some innate thing with, you know, young black man, you know, growing up from the south side of Chicago. But I was just afraid of the police. And um, like I said, it ended up becoming the police and, you know, saw some things in life. Well, I, you know, I saw... And this is one point I really want to make, Vince. Uh, what's, what's going on today, a lot of people will say, if the police are saying that all police aren't bad, well, where are the good ones when bad things happen? And oftentimes, uh, those good police officers do turn in bad police officers. Okay. I have okay. turned in bad police officers. The general public may not hear about it because we will usually quash the actions of one of those bad officers before they do anything too bad you know we'll get them off the off the department quick fast in a hurry but that's one of the things that i really am proud about i know i made a change in my department as well as in my community
1: and that's not an easy thing i mean you know when you hear about the what is the blue wall and the silence and and i mean what we're we're, we're, we're just seeing right now uh that's not an easy thing to do
0: no and it's and it's not it's not popular matter of fact some of my views might not be popular among my peers those who are retired and those who are still on the job but they knew me they they knew who i was and um i didn't stand for things like that when and i was the one that handled complaints when it would come into my district and um if an officer did something you know was he was he or she was rude we took complaints seriously. Mm. So a citizen would come in to file a complaint. That's priority one. We're going to follow it through all the way to the end. If we found, that, if we found that, any, that the officer did anything wrong, you know, violated policy, violated someone's rights, we were going to take it all away and that officer was going to be punished, you know, to the fullest extent of our policy and the law.
1: When you see the uh, movies like Serpico or uh, what's the other Prince of the City, you know, where guys get I I mean, those those are are so, so powerful. And uh, so, I I have a question, just a a real basic. What do you see? Because right now we're hearing so much talk about, you know, defunding this and, and, and reallocating. What should be the role of the police out in our communities right now?
0: And I hear that term defunding the police, and I listen to all of the broadcast, the stations, MSNBC, and you know, not plugging anybody, but even Fox. But it seems like no one has really defined what defunding police means. Mm-hmm. I, for a fact, know because younger in my in my earlier career, I was on our tactical response team. And what we did is we did those high profile warrants where we knew the uh, the house that we were going to search or hit, if you will, that there were weapons in the house. And we knew that the, that the, the occupants of the house had threatened the police, that they had made statements that if the police came to the house, they would, they want to kill them. Mm-hmm. So that's when we would, we would get a no knock warrant, you know, and that's, That's what happened to you know our sister Brianna Taylor. Taylor, You know we can talk about that later. Uh, When we look at the equipment that we had as a tactical response team, we were a paramilitary organization, Hmm. but we needed some of some of those things to go up against. When we hit that door, we knew it was going to be behind the door. In back. You you mentioned the movie Surfco when they may have uh, carried six shot 38. Well, you can't carry a six shot 38 today if you're going to be doing um, surveying warrants like that. You can't. But at the same time, some agencies, you know, smaller departments in, in certain, maybe even rural areas, they're applying and getting grants to get heavy duty equipment. And, right. you know, is it necessary? You know, it's not for me to say uh, because I'm not a those organizations. But I think that's what the public and some legislators are talking about. Defunding, meaning but do the police require all of that heavy duty armament? Because they're talking about legislation on the police doesn't have to respond to everything. And you ask me that question, what's mm-hmm. the role of the police? Mm-hmm. Well, the role of the police has changed so much in mm-hmm. the last 50, 60 years where the police respond to ha- everything now yes and yes. the question is today is it necessary
1: is it necessary and well you know you, they talk about uh you know maybe uh, reallocating some of the funds toward um, and 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 one of the reasons why uh, uh, I'm so this conversation we're having because uh what was it your dissertation that you did uh dealt yes. with uh policing the mental mentally ill and how effective is the street level uh diagnosis and so as they talk about some of this defunding or reallocating to about putting some of those uh, some funds into those services for the community so that the police doesn't necessarily have to deal with uh, a lot of that. And that, I mean, this is Black Mental Matters. And I'm again, so glad to have you on. I mean, we are talking about how, you know, our black community uh, deals first of all with mental health, but how we deal with all these situations. And uh, yeah. I mean, that, this mental health plays a big role in, in, in the world of police. Uh, th- thus, again, your uh, dissertation. Uh, what, what made you even want to do that uh, as it relates to policing the mentally ill?
0: Well, it had to do with those uh, incidents involving like uh, Laquan McDonald, hmm. uh, Quintonio LaGreer, and there's so many more. I mean, statistics show that a mentally ill person is 16 times more likely to be killed by the police. Hmm. Another statistic, alarming statistic is, police are five times more likely to be killed by someone suffering from a mental illness. Mm. Uh, Knowing, and I've, I've encountered people with mental illnesses before, I had no special training, but you know, you pick up on certain things and you know that this person has some issues going on. Without proper training, bad things can happen. So let's go back to 1998 with the Memphis Police Department. Mm -hmm. They had an incident in which a police officer had to kill a person, well, kill the person with a mental illness. And immediately the Memphis Police Department partnered with the University of Memphis, Memphis, the University of Tennessee, and, and they came up with this plan of creating a crisis incident training. So they start sending their officers through this training to teach you how to read the signs of a person that might be suffering, a person who might not have been on their medication. And so you don't ramp it all the way up. Because I'm going to tell you from experience the louder you talk at a person with a mental illness, the more upset they're going to be. Yes, yes, yes. yes. You, as a police officer, will look at that as an act of defiance or a person's just not going to be, you know, do what you want them to do. And that's a bad, that's a recipe for disaster. Mm. So with this training, officers not speak to these individuals to de-escalate and calm them down. And then now there's no arrest. There's no injury to the individual, no injury to the police. They transport that individual to a facility or hospital. And there's no, that that hospital has to take them. Some hospitals may say, no, we're not equipped to do it. Well, no, because... The staff at that hospital, hospital will have gone through that training as well. So all the way from the dispatcher who sends the officer to the officer to the medical personnel at the hospital, everyone has had this training and here's the good part they also include the family Mm. of the individual who suffers from mental illness having that family member on board is so important because they can tell the officer or the staff at the hospital yes he's on he or she is on this type of medication no we know that they've not been compliant with their medication for the last two weeks so that gives us some kind of idea of what we're dealing with but this is awesome training Chicago Police Department has started it uh, a couple of years ago, but many agencies throughout the throughout the country as well as North America Canada and other countries, they're picking up on that because they know it has great value. Mm. so yeah
1: one of the things that also has come out is the type of people that are being hired as mm-hmm. law enforcement officers and right. um, for me I as a layperson, they have to be a public mm-hmm. servant is what I think. So, so what, what, what's your thoughts as to the vetting of potential officers? Because first of all, as mm-hmm. I learned too, all you have to have to be a police officer is a high school diploma. Is that correct?
0: Well, in some departments, yes. And with the Illinois state police, we had to have a bachelor's and they okay. just reduced it to a two year degree. Okay. But, but yeah, you're right. My, and I, and I um, I should mention that yeah, even though I'm retired now from the Illinois State Police I still wanted to stay in the business so to speak so the town in which I live I chair the police commission mm. so my job with the other two commissioners we check backgrounds we uh oral interview views we monitor those psycho- psychological evaluations testing so we know that that psychological, that psych eval is so important. And we just contracted with a uh, a, a new clinician. This, this young man is a he's a psychologist, but he does a two day interview process. Two, two days. days. Wow. Two days. So it's so important to know not only what that candidate looks like on the day of the interview. You wanna know what that candidate's gonna be like a year from now, yes. five years from now, yes. 10 years from now. And that's what a good clinician can do. That's what we want. We wanna be able to pre- predict if that person's gonna be a liability for the department, you know, for the village, for the city, or that person's going to be someone who's going to work in the community, partner with the community and be a part of the community. That is so important. So that, that hiring process, training is important. Yes. Once someone gets on a department, ongoing training, it's vital, but selecting that individual, that's going to fit well and not, You know, in five years or 10 years, something can trigger them. And now we have a problem on our hands. And that that is is so so important.
1: That is something I don't care what uh, industry uh, you're in, but uh, specifically with uh, uh, law enforcement. If you do an in-depth interview, you can kind of finally get to see. It takes a while. uh, I'll give all credit to Comcast. They taught me well with management training on how to interview people. They said, just ask the question. And and if they say they don't have an answer, just doodle. And it'll be that awkward yeah. silence, you know. <laughs> and finally, it comes out, and, and I've seen it. Well, one, one time, it. Ha- oh, nope, you ain't you. You do not fit this gig right here because right. it's always gonna be high pressure and stress, you know. Uh, yeah. But but that mm-hmm. is what uh, they're talking about uh, across the country, and I really hope they follow your lead, commissioner, and, and start really doing this great uh, vetting of future uh, law enforcement officers. Yes. 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 In this time right now with the protests and the things that are going on, uh, first of all, I mean, I'm sorry folks, but I know everybody is suffering from something because you've been locked in the house for three months almost, you know. (laughs) Listen, I just gotta (laughs) keep it real. That's 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 a traumatic situation right there. Especially, you know, and then these Images hit you on the television. You know the the, yes. the the deaths of you know brothers and sisters that look like look like you. So once yes. you get out here in these streets and what is it called? Yes. Excitement, delirium. You're pumped up. Yes. You're on fire yes. out there. So are the police, for that matter. Uh, they're yes. pumped up. They're on fire. Uh, we were talking about saying how in, in D.C. some of the officers say, "Hey, watch out. That's my cousin on the other side of the line." There, yes. man. I mm-hmm. mean, you talking mm-hmm. about a mental health. Pandemic uh, throughout these crowds and everywhere, Uh, not just clinical. And and so um, having to uh, spend the time to do the research that you do, man, my my hat is off and I've learned so much uh, from reading that. But but let's just for a second, the mental state of the police officer when they're in a position like that. I mean, uh, um, it's got to be pretty intense as well.
0: And it really is, Vince. And I'm gonna tell you a little story about, this is during the uh, Freddie Gray uh, demonstrations mm-hmm. and, and um, you know protests. So, you know, well, you know your niece, my daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and I were watching it on the news and this one officer, it was a Maryland state trooper. Now that officer had nothing to do with the Freddie Gray incident itself. That officer was on the front line trying to control the protest and allowing people to have their uh you know their right to protest. Just that officer was there in a the line with many other other Maryland State troopers making sure everything was, you know, uh peaceful. Well someone threw a glass bottle and hit him in the face. Mm-hmm. We saw that. And my daughter was like, Good, yeah, good yeah. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What milit- I you know, I said, baby. Mm-hmm. I said, I've been on many of those front lines in riot situations. Uh, I, I did one in Skokie at a Klan rally. That was mm-hmm. one of the most memorable ones. And I was right on the front line. And I said, what if I got, would have got a glass bottle thrown in my face? How would you feel about that? Oh, no, not you. I mean, but, well, wait a minute. Yeah. That officer there... He's somebody's dad or brother. And I'm like, he didn't have anything to do with that incident with Freddie Gray. Those officers, they went through uh, the process, whatever it was, it didn't maybe come out favorable, but the ones who were contributing to, you know, contributed to Freddie Gray's death. But I'm like, so yeah, officers are out there. They stand with a lot of these protesters. We don't, police officers like myself and my friends who I still keep in contact with, I mentor many of them who are still in the job. Whenever we hear of one of these cases like we, you know, George Floyd, it makes us sick. Yes, It makes us sick and then we have to go out and you know, protect the public and property and, and all of that. Yeah, so it is a bit of a drain on a person's mental, physical, and spiritual being A huge drain. And the last thing we wanna do is make all police officers throw them in one bunch as being the enemy. Vince, the average police officer has a family, they got kids in school, they got the same issues and problems as everyone else. Some look at it as a job. Me, I looked at it as a career because yes. I loved what I did. Yes. I was able to help people. So when you when we see things like that, you know, with, with uh, George Floyd or Brianna or Eric Garner, all of them, it makes us sick to our stomach. This is our chosen profession. Yeah. Many of us wanted to do this since we were kids, not me, but some of us, us.
1: yes. I don't know, you were a great example uh, as as I was growing up to see my, my cousin, you know, the officer, however, However, and I'm looking, yes. you know, right now, they, the, the, the history of where quote unquote policing comes from in the 1600s, mm-hmm. British colonies, mm-hmm. they enlisted to patrol the communities, maintain order. Then that turned into slave patrols, heading off yes. slave rebellions and preventing enslaved people from escaping. Then you got to the Jim Crow's and all this kind of stuff. And it just yes. seemed like the police were put here in America to stop the black man. Um, and then yourself being a black man, I know that had to weigh okay. Uh, uh, on you uh,
0: much throughout yeah. your career. Yeah, and, and you know, when I think about that, when we talk about doors opening up and equality for any and everyone to fill a position of their desire. So I could say, well, I know the history of the police, you know, uh, as slave catchers in, you know, the post what, antebellum days, you know, right after slavery. And if, and if you were walking down the road, a free man, Right. And you couldn't show, you know, that 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 white slave catcher that you had you know, means of support. Guess what? You were going to end right back on that plantation yep. that you were a slave on locked up and working for that landowner, the same one. Mm-hmm. So I know that. But then when I encounter, when I was uh, young on the job, a young man on the job, and I might have to encounter someone a generation or two older than me, you know, a black man, and he would say, man, I am so glad to see you, you know, out here. I'm so proud of you. Now, this might be somebody that I just gave a ticket to, but they're so proud to see a black man wearing that uniform. My father, who I said, you know, died when I was 11 and a half. He used to say, when we would be out on a road driving, going on a vacation or something, he'd say, "Up oh, there's Johnny Be Good. I never knew what he was talking mm-hmm. about. Mm. But we would be passing two. Cars with lights on the top, they'd be sitting in the median and he'd see them. my father would glance over there and say, there's Johnny B. Good. I didn't connect the two. I didn't know there was state troopers over there. But what would my father think right now if he knew his son was third in command of the Illinois State Police when he was on the, on the job? He would be really proud. So yes, I'm proud to yes, say yes. that I served. Yes. But at the same time, I'm a black man first. I'm a black man first. Now, you've, you know, mentioned your daughter
1: and and, and, and dad and, um, you know, and uh, the talk, you know, that is being so bantered about right now that uh, having to have to talk to your children uh mm-hmm. as, you know black kids as to what how they should act how they need to behave and I mean mm-hmm. it's a good thing that we're having the talk but it's a terrible thing that we have to have the talk I mean yes you know mm-hmm. like you say we want the kids to come home the police officer wants to get home so let, let's talk about that a little bit and and the importance mm-hmm. what would you what would you say to parents right now is because again our kids have been locked in the house you can't mm-hmm. keep you can't keep 17 18 19 20 year olds uh, for three months right right so, so what what do we say and we're in the middle of a of a pandemic Oh my yeah, God!
0: Just what we thought it couldn't get worse, <laughs> just right? Just what we thought it couldn't get worse.
1: So, so what? What are some of the things? Some strategies? Some 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 words of advice you could give to the to 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 the parents as well as to the young people? Because some young people listen as well.
0: Amen. Well, you know what? Um, I'm glad you asked that. Right now, I, I facilitate a men's ministry group at my church mm-hmm. for the last I'm going to say six weeks five or six weeks we've been talking about how you're supposed to behave during a police contact. You're right. Who, who has to do that? And that's why I explained to the, the men in my group and I, I have them, uh, and it's obvious zoom right now because we're being, you know, uh, socially responsible, but I invite them, you know, have your, your teenage sons and your young adult sons join in on this call because when you get stopped by the police that first thing out of your mouth is going to determine how that officer is going to respond to you Mm. you have officers out there who want nothing more than for you to get smart or go off on them they know they got one Mm. they know that but if you good afternoon sir or ma'am give them your driver's license and insurance. They tell you, well, we stopped you because you were going 15 miles over the 15 miles over speed, whatever, speeding, taillight out or whatever. Okay, officer, I'm sorry, I was in a rush. I may have not been paying attention. Generally, you're gonna get a written warning and be on your way. Okay, okay let's backtrack. If you wanna argue with the officer, I wasn't going 50, I was only going 10 miles over and That's not gonna go well. Mm never argue, always, you know, comply. When I say that to some people during my men's ministry, I'll say, comply with the steps as you go along. No, no, I ain't gonna be no punk, man. Well, so right. I gotta be subservient. Nobody telling you to be subservient. Right, right. We wanna get you home, home safe. safe. Mm-hmm. We wanna get you home, whatever, you know, uh, you know. they say, well, we wanna search your car. And you know, you know. and that's another thing. We need to know, know, know the law. And I teach that in my uh, men's ministry class. Well, you gotta know the law. Police officers just can't search your car. And if they ask you, and this is an, an, an industry secret, if a police officer asks you can they search your car, they don't have the right to search your car. Hmm. If they had a right to search your car, they wouldn't ask you. They would ask it, you, they would just be searching your car. But if you say no, and, it, it's- And you can say no and nothing's gonna come of it. Okay, okay. You know, you say, well, officer, you know, um, I'm kind of in a rush. I got a meeting to go to. You not know, rather not have my car searched at this point in time. Now, if they tell you get out, we're gonna search it anyway. Get out. Let them search it. And then you start documenting mentally everything that's going on. Because if you're a young person, as you clear that stop, you're calling your parents, and you're gonna go to the headquarters and calmly speak to the shift commander and let them know you need to make a formal complaint. And when you do that before you leave, you're gonna ask that shift supervisor, sir or ma'am, when can we expect to hear our first response back? Hmm. Because you're gonna follow through. You're not gonna drop the ball. You're gonna follow all the way through and that's how these unscrupulous officers, that's get away with not having things in their file because sometimes we don't make the complaint. What do we do? The next time we go to the barber shop, we're gonna we want to tell everybody, yeah, this crooked cop stopped me and did so. That's not doing you any good or your situation. Right. Go in there and file a report calmly. Right. Right. And follow through.
1: I can remember you uh, giving uh, a, a number of us in the family, you know, some talking about it, exactly what you're saying. You know, be cordial, okay. uh, sir, sir, sir. And and I'm thankful to say, you know, that uh, each. Each time, I, I maybe got two tickets over the, all these years at age 57, mm-hmm. but most times I was able to let you go this time, you know, with a warning, you, yes. know, you were speeding. Yes. It does work, yes. folks, it does work. Tell your yes. girl to shut up, because you know how sometimes,
0: oh, why you gotta be? Oh,
1: Lord, <laughs> you've seen it too many times. Sister, <laughs> so girl going and off, it. and you don't gotta do that, and start running up mouth, uh-huh. and no, 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 no. You say,
0: oh, I got me one, here we go that's it and they love it because they want to let the good ones go you know if you got a good person you see you know you know a young man and his and his wife and they got a kid in the back the last thing you want to do is give them a ticket and I'm guilty of it I let more people go if they got a good record if they have a good record and everything is good give them a written warning and let them be on their way you don't have to write or arrest everybody and I'm telling you, the majority of police officers out there, they have the same feelings. The cases that we're faced with right now that's causing all of the protests and that, those officers, we want them gone quick, fast, and if they can't be gone quick enough. If it's to the penitentiary, let it be. But we want them gone. They are affecting our chosen profession and, you know, giving us a bad name and that's not, it's only making the job more difficult for those good police officers. So we want those people gone.
1: We need more mentors uh like you on the force, man, and we may have to suit you back up, cuz. We may have to suit you and, back <laughs>
0: up. <laughs> I think the uniform still fits. I think it still
1: fits. <laughs> still, well, this is gonna be but a discussion that just this past uh you know, this is uh, what Monday we're recording just this past Friday. Another situation mm. here in Atlanta, another mm. protest that is that is built up and uh I wanna for those our our, our white friends out there, my white friends out there, you know, I and, and I was talking to my son Vincent about this, you know. And sometimes they want to be helpful, but sometimes your helpful is hurting things more. Because as we Mm -hmm. looked, they had the image of the person that burned down the Wendy's uh, Mm -hmm. and it was a a white female. And and, and again, that excitement, uh, delirium kicks in and everybody starts Mm -hmm. throwing stuff and and, and things like Mm -hmm. that. And um, it's been it's been a real testy time uh, for race relations here in in, in the Mm -hmm. country. And if we can't look to our law enforcement, man, who can we look to? Who
0: you know. can we mm-hmm. right, Vince? I, last Saturday, and I think I, I let you and uh, our cousins know. Last a week ago, Saturday, I participated in my first March rally, my first Unity Peace Rally. I have never done that before. Wow! But there, I found myself standing with a bunch of other brown and black faces, holding up our signs, chanting, taking the knee. I've never done that before. Mm. But this is this is like times we've never been in days like like this one instant after the other, like you said, right in Atlanta, you know, that incident. Yeah. And, and I wish, I wish I would have known Mr. Brooks before that happened, because I would have had to talk with him, him and I would have been talking. You know, I'd have say, listen, my man, my, you know, son, uh, nephew, but this is what happened. Just to let him know how to deal with the police. And I know there was some issues leading up to it, Did he deserved to die, no that's my opinion. You know, he was DUI. They say he blew over the limit, but don't run. Don't fight. Don't do that ever. You're never going to win. You're never going to win.
1: Well, I won when I got you uh, as a cousin, man, and uh, and was able, again, like I say, to pass on some of this uh, good advice to survive out here, but not only survive, to thrive. We don't want to yes. just be surviving out here. We want to get home and, and eat baked chicken with rice and all the good things. You know, we had some cooks in our family, so we know how to cook it up right Amen. Man. And uh, So, uh, man, we, we're, we're out of time, but uh, this has really been, uh, see how fun. As it goes when it's a good conversation, yeah. and we can yeah. do it again because it appears like uh, these uh, situations aren't going to go away very soon. And so we're going to need more yeah. and more guidance and leadership. And thank you for hey, your man. service, cuz. Um, My pleasure. Thank My you. My pleasure, cuz. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's Black Middle Matters. Leonard Stallworth, Lieutenant Colonel, Commander, but biggest thing for me, cuz. Love you much, hey, man. man. I love you, man. I love you, little brother. All right. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much.